0: together for word and worship today we do welcome you we're in the middle of a series Uh, miracles happen i believe in miracles i believe in a great god that does amazing things and uh, we do have a local hero testimony which is great thank you shirley for sharing this morning that was very very meaningful to us as a church so uh we'll throw to one of our local stories
1: chosen at that point um, we turned it down because for us we felt that if we were going to have Marking down who's on the PA desk, and, um, and he just said, "No, God's got something for both of you," and he just. June and when July, August, September, mm-hmm. October and we still have no babies. And um, I don't know Tom was marching on. There was a deadline. He said by this time next year you will have a child. So finally gives you I was thinking a three month window to be pregnant and then nine months obviously to be a baby. Anyway, just before the- Gracias. option is um, the termination of the pregnancy. And that's what we were faced with. Uh, I just said, no, God has told I'm having I asked for a second opinion, I asked for a third opinion, kept getting the same, same answer. We left the hospital, we had Christmas to organise, um, but they called and said, you must come back, we need to operate today. And we just sent There were people everywhere. It's theatre now, and before I knew it, so I knew my husband. He'd already gone home to start the hospital. And um, out of the blue, he saw me turn back and I'm being glued down the corridor. And I thought, God, dear God, and that was all I knew. until I woke up. When I woke up, the surgeon was lying, uh, sitting next to where I was lying. it down here.
0: Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And I won't inflict any more, but we have many reasons to worship and praise our God. What an amazing story. Jane, can you just stand up? We just want to celebrate the God that you serve. He's a good God. good God. And I love the reality of that even the miracles are not always easy. Uh, For those who go through miracles, uh, they're not always fun. God comes through and they're amazing, but you still have to walk through often storms and difficulties and valleys and dark places. But that's how you get the stories. If it was something Mike can fix, then there's no opportunity for a miracle. Uh, God likes to get me onto spots where Mike can't fix it because Mike likes to fix things. Mike likes to be in control. Mark likes to think that he can be God. So God has a way sometimes allowing us to get into places, sometimes by our own foolish choices, uh, where then God can then show himself to be God Almighty, amazing grace. So we do thank you, Jane, for that story. And uh, it fits really nice into what we're doing today. We have been doing a series on miracles and different aspects of getting miracles. But one of the aspects that Jane really touched upon was the issue of getting a word from God. We spoke about this a little bit. Getting a unique, specific, Spirit-charged word is an important part of any miracle. Because normally you'll get the word first before you get the miracle. Instant miracles are easy to believe God for, aren't they? God, I believe poof, it's happened. Well, I didn't have to believe much, did I? It just happens like that. What actually tests faith is the longer you have to wait for that which seems impossible. I can believe God pretty adequately for the impossible for five minutes. For 10 minutes, I can believe the impossible. For 20 minutes, maybe. But what really gets the test of faith is when it becomes year after year after year. You know, Pastor Bob and Pam are still believing for their son to... Come back to the faith. And they've been believing for so many years. It takes great faith to do that. Great faith. As circumstances come up that disappoint and get in the way and say it's never gonna happen, it's faith that it says it's gonna happen. Because I've got a word from God. God said it and that settles it. And so there is great power in the words that we have and the words that we choose to believe. Lord Byron, an English poet, said many years ago that my wife and I always think exactly the same. The only problem is that she always has the first think. (laughs) Agreement is a powerful thing. Uh, The Reverend Jones noticed that uh, Mr. Brown had been nodding off in his sermons. Not that any of you would ever do that here, would you? No, no. (laughs) I try to be reasonably interesting. And so he noticed that uh, his grandson, little Bobby, was in church most days. And so he said to Bobby after church one day, look, if you can keep your grandpa awake, I'll give you 50 cents a week for keeping grandpa awake. And this seemed to work really well, because for about six weeks, grandpa stayed pretty alert. And the Reverend uh, uh, Jones noticed that every time grandpa began to, you know, Bobby would give him the elbow, whatever it was, he just kept him awake. Then... Grandpa went back to bad habits and started to sleep again in the front row. And so he went up to the Reverend Jones, went up to Bobby and says, Look, I thought we had an agreement. You, know, you were going to keep your grandpa awake, and I was going to give you 50 cents a week. He says, Yes, I know, but grandpa's made a better offer. <laughs> he pays me a dollar a week to let me sleep. <laughs> What's wrong with you You're laughing at one of my jokes? There is power in agreement, isn't it? I think we underestimate the power of those allegiances, those alliances, the things that we link with has incredible power over our life. And the Bible's quite clear about that. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says that where two or three gather together and agree, say agree, agree. and agree, then. Whatever you agree upon, God's going to do. But, you know, that, that happens anywhere. Where two or three people gather together behind the school fence to smoke a joint, guess what's going to happen? They're going to agree and something's going to happen. There's power and in influence. There's power in the circles in which we all hang with. So it's incredibly important to understand that what we allow into our life, what we agree to, what we give assent to, what we align to, will affect your life. Don't think that it won't. And so the Greek word there is the word symphono, which is where we get the word symphony, which means to come to a common understanding. So there is a law of alignment. Who or what you align with will influence your life. Who or what you align to will influence your life. You show me your friends and I can show you your future. You show me what you read, I can show you your future. You show me what you're allowing into your mind, I can show you your future. You show me what you're listening to on your iPod, I can show you your future. Because what you align yourself to influences you. No, it's a little bit uh, silly to think oh, I can listen to this stuff. I can expose myself to this stuff. I can do this stuff on the internet, and somehow it doesn't affect me. Well, it does. It totally affects you. In the book of Acts, there's a set, uh, right in the early days of the church. The book of Acts, there's a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. This was a time when the church was going through massive revival. It's growing in leaps and bounds and uh, there was such a generosity upon the church at that time that people were actually making agreements that they would come and they would donate their goods to the church to help actually feed the poor and to look after other people it'd be great for the church to be in that level of generosity again where there's an abundance of wealth so that we can actually do our job as the church so this was happening in the life of the church. So it was a free will thing. It wasn't legislate. It wasn't, you know, the 13th commandment that had been added into the church. You've got to sell all that you have. And uh, we know that Barnabas was noted as a very wealthy man who had sold a property and had given it to the church so that they could do the work of the kingdom. Incredible generosity. Great stuff. But there's this couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And what they say is they agree amongst themselves. Say the word agree. They had this little talk going on. This little talk goes on and says, well, let us sell some of our property and we'll give it to the church as well, but we'll pretend that it's all that we've got. So we'll look as good as Barnabas. So it's just a sense of, you know, a bit of pride's going on here. They want to look good. And so they make this agreement that they will then come and present this money to the apostles and they'll pretend it's their whole wealth. Well, Ananias comes to church. The husband comes to church. He puts the offering down, pretends it's all there. And guess what happens? Unbelievable. God strikes him dead. That's not good. The wrong agreement between two people brings judgment. The wrong agreement. Between two people brings judgment. And uh, Peter actually goes on to say that you've agreed with the devil on this. So when two people get together and they choose to do something together that's not under God's law and God's regime, they are actually making a pact with the dark side. I'm sorry. You are actually making an agreement with the dark side. It's amazing what... One person can... Most people don't get into trouble totally by themselves. Am I telling you the truth? Usually you will have someone who has congratulated you, who has encouraged you. You know, The very first smoke you had probably wasn't you going down the back and having one by yourself. It was probably because a mate dared you to do it. That's how it happens. The way sin works is those who are involved in the lifestyle of sins... They know they are doing wrong before God, but in order to feel better about that, they try and bring other people around them to do the same thing that they're doing. If I can bring you down to my choices, then it mustn't be too bad. That's how sin works. You know, they never say, oh, it's okay for you to live a pure life and not sleep around. They'll want to say, no, you're crazy and you ought to try it because this is good. Isn't that how it works? So your allegiances are critical. The people that you form with, the voices that you allow in your life will affect your destiny just as, as much as it did for Ananias and Sapphira. They made an agreement that resulted in the judgment of God. And here's the bad news is God hasn't changed His mind about sin. He's just letting you store up. He's letting you store up your future and one day judgment will come. It is His hope, of course... That before the judgment filing comes, that you will come to our senses, that Mike will come to his senses, and we will stop storing up that for ourselves and give our lives to God, let him forgive us, and then we will come to a relationship with him. But life is a bit like going to Woolies with a shopping cart. And we can put things in, put things in, put things in and stuff, but eventually there's a checkout. And we get to pay what's at the checkout. And you can either let Jesus pay or you pay. And some of us just walk around Woolies all day thinking, oh, this is okay. I'll have some Tim Tams. I'll have some nice ice Bovos. And we keep on loading stuff into our trolley thinking it's not going to matter. It matters because one day the checkout comes. And we think just because we haven't got to the place of accountability yet that it will never happen. One day we will all get to the checkout. Is that okay? Am I telling you? Okay, so what you then accept, what you then align yourself, then determines some of those allegiances. And these can be really dangerous. One of the great tragic verses, I think, in the Bible is in 2 Samuel chapter 15, where 200 young men are with, uh, with Absalom and they go to a party. They think they're just going to a party. And then at the party, Absalom suddenly announces, oh, by the way, we're actually going to overthrow the kingdom, and we're now involved in a civil war. How many of us have just ever gone to a party? (laughs) Come on, be honest. You know, we went to the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time, not realizing that we're involved in a rebellion. I don't know about you, but that was a lot of the mischief I got into, and sadly, it was a lot of the mischief I've got other people into. I think one of my regrets as being a total heathen many years ago before i came to know jesus was i was a terrible influence on a baptist boy there's a good baptist boy a good baptist parent i'm talking about so i just said everybody get up and i just want you to raise your hands now if you want the holy spirit i'm going to pray for you to receive the holy spirit so i didn't lay hands on anybody it's three things so i can't see the back at all can't see you. It goes right up the ground. So I pray, in the name of Jesus, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's all I did. And I went home and I was all right. Thank you, Jesus. Only other time. So the devil tries again, you see. What I didn't know was, apparently on the back of the crowd, quite a number of Hindus from surrounding villages had actually come to the meeting to disturb the meeting. They had come with clubs and machetes and they were there to actually cause trouble amongst the, the thing. But apparently when they got there, they got a bit curious, and they started listening. They're hiding in the cornfields, and they got slain in the spirit, and they got gloriously then saved after that. And to this day, I'm told that about six villages in Gujarat, where these guys have come from, that have actually, as long as their memory have been at war with each other, they've all come to faith in are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. See, the devil knew, the devil knew that that was going to happen. Mike didn't know, but thank God that I was in a place that was able to say, by your word, Lord, I'm going to believe that this is what you want to do in my life. So there's power and agreement. What and who you align with will affect your agreement, your relationships. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, it says, They they come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower that reaches up to heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. And God says, if they agree, nothing is impossible to them. Could you imagine the power if two agree, three agree, or a church agrees, or five churches agree, or a city of churches agree? Can you imagine the exponential power of the church when we do things together. And one, we can take our city and our nation for God when we agree. Hallelujah. The devil just wants to bring disagreement. Here's a great scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's, um, sorry, it's, yes, yeah, it's Ecclesiastes 4. It's often used for weddings. But actually, it's not talking about weddings. It's talking about relationships. But it's, you know, you know, they can... Having agreement in a marriage is also a good idea. Let me just say that, okay? (laughs) All the men said? (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear. This is what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, he has a friend to help him up. But pity the man who falls and who has no one to come and help him up. Also, if two lie together, that's actually not sexual. It's actually talking about just, you know, camping out together and uh, and by the warmth of a fire, they will keep warm. But how can you keep warm alone? If you're a Christian who's alone, I'm going to ask you, how do you stay warm if you're alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And it has this interesting statement, a cord of three strands is not easily broken and whilst I think it's a great metaphor for marriage you know my wife and I would not be married today if it was simply because of romantic love we've had lots of romantic love and we enjoy lots of romantic love but that's not what kept us together what's kept us together is covenant we made a promise to each other and so sometimes I've had to suck it up and say I'm sorry I was wrong I think I've done that at least once She's not here to tell tales, is she? <laughs> uh, that's just the truth. And we love each other more deeply than ever before. That's covenant. It's what keeps you connected. So it's a great metaphor, isn't it? You know, that the, the husband and the wife, and then you get Christ being the third person to make a cord. You cannot make a rope out of two. You actually have to. I don't understand. Girls who braid your hair, you may know that, but you can't really do it two. Three makes it very strong. But the truth is that works for every relationship. So if you find someone in your school and they think you know outing things out on Facebook is a good thing to do and you agree with them, guess what? That's not easily broken. If you find someone in your life who says, look, it's okay to lie to your parents or to do all whatever and stuff and you find a friend who's going to agree with that, that's not easily broken. If you find a friend, though, who says, let's meet to read the Bible each day and just pray for each other, that's not easily broken. Whatever you agree with, whatever's in the third strand of that is actually not easy to be broken. So here's the great power. If you'll actually pick the right relationships and make the right agreements, guess what? It's strong. And it'll take you to very, very good places. So that's the importance of actually building into your life good people, good relationships, what you agree with. So here's... Here's the deal. The Word of God says these sorts of things over here. The world says those sorts of things over there. And if you can understand it, when you stand under the promises of God, you stand under an umbrella that protects you from the harms and the consequences. So back in the Garden of Eden, there was only one very simple piece of Scripture to to obey. Thou shalt not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only scripture they had to learn, wasn't it? They didn't have 66 books to work, to work out. 18,000 scriptures, they only had one scripture. Thou shall not eat. If you stay under that, if you believe that, no sickness, no pain, no suffering, eternal life, blessing, blessing, blessing. It's pretty good, isn't it? I obey it. There is actually no way of really testing... The devil's accusation. Apart from the fact you continue to have blessing. And I've found as I've continued to serve God and follow Him, I've continued to have blessing. That God still looks after me. But the lie of the devil is, if you actually break that word and come over here, you'll actually find it's actually better on this side of the fence. (laughs) It's actually much better over here. You can be your own gods, make your own decisions and stuff. The only way that can be really only tested is by stepping out of the covering and the blessing that comes from obedience. Obedience brings blessing. Can someone say amen? Amen. Obedience brings blessing. When you obey the Word of God, things go better. Not always perfectly, but obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings cursing disability. So if you stay under the covering of God's word, believe in God's word, good things flow. And yes, there's testing and challenge and there's the pathways of life that will often reinforce those sorts of things. But let me say to you on the basis of God's word, stay with what God said. Jesus Christ was perfectly the son of God. Yet early in his ministry was taken by the devil out into the wilderness and he was tested by him. And he was hungry. So he said, turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God, you know. Uh, Bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Or, you know, throw yourself down and uh, let the angels come. If you are the son of God. There's the insinuation. If you are a child of God, if you are saved, if you are in relationship with God, why is the bad stuff happening? Why do you have hunger? Why do you have unfulfilled dreams? Why do you have unfulfilled areas of satisfaction and nourishment in your life? Why is that there? And Jesus came back. It is written. It is written. It is written. It stands written. His response to the challenges of temptation is that this is what God has said. And in the Greek language, it has this idea that it was written back down there, When uh, Moses wrote it down, he was basically quoting the book of Leviticus. says it was written there. But its effect continues now, 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 now. It still stands written. It's still as true today as it was when Jesus said it. It was true as when Moses wrote it down. It stands written, God's word is secure and it will not fail. It will not fail. So which word are we going to believe? So important that we get a word from God. That will get us through. And uh, Shelley shared today how they went through a very deep experience as a family. It could not be probably anything more difficult to face on a human level in many ways when there's love and loss mixed into the same thing. And she had a word. For her it came in a vision. For her it came in a picture form. But having that was undergirded her miracle and she was able to walk through that. Having your word from God. You know, I've given you probably about 5,000 words in the last half an hour. Not one of them will help you. But a word from God, one word from God is your miracle. It is your confidence. So let me say to you, just looking at the hand, the word of God. First Romans chapter 10 verse 17 Hearing the word of God. So faith faith comes by. 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 Oh, look, I know I'm being a bit boring, but today I'm actually trying to help you today. Faith comes by. Not thinking. Faith comes by. Hearing. How do you hear the word of God? You've actually got to hear it, don't you? You've got to actually speak it out. The best place for you to hear the Word of God is when it 's on your lips. That is the best place. look preaching 's not bad either. In all what I say today, there is that possible moment when the Holy Spirit will take my clumsy little expression and will suddenly become no longer mike's voice but god's voice to you that happens that's the power of preaching at any moment if we move from information to inspiration in a second and i pray that happens every day every time i get up to preach dear god i pray that someone somewhere in the place will hear you speak and not Mike. so that's the thing but faith comes by if you want a miracle you need to start hearing the word of god You need to start putting it on your lips. You need to start declaring it. You know, I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. If you agree with what God says, if you align yourself with what God says, if you affirm that and you'll speak it, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And say it and say it and hear it and hear it and hear it until you believe it. One day you'll suddenly say, I hear it. I am more than a conqueror so hearing faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god not by the tv set not by the internet but by the word of god we need to quote the scripture we also need to read the bible the bible says in revelation chapter 1 verse 3 blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written for a time is coming Good to read the Bible as well. Oh dear. Oh dear. You know, I know, this is just so basic, isn't it? It's actually your lifeblood. This is it. It, You know, we can get more exciting and I can prophesy over you or we can spit over, but this is it, guys. Reading and living the Bible is actually what brings it all to us. God's word is living and active. So it's good to hear the Bible, read the Bible. It's also good to study the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study, study to show thyself approved unto God. When I was pushing through for divine healing and various issues in my own life, I memorized every scripture in the Bible on divine healing. That's not such a big deal. There's only probably about 100 of them. But I wanted to know what the Bible said about healing. I wanted to get it out of my head and into my heart. But, you know, some of us won't even get into our head. We go to the doctor, the doctor says it's this, and we rule off on it. I want to know what the Bible says and live it out. Study, study, study. If you need a breakthrough in finances, why don't you study to find out what the Bible teaches? If you want a breakthrough in healing, why don't you study to find out what the Bible says? If you want a breakthrough in relationships, why don't you study to see what the Bible says? I was talking to a uh, you know couple the other day, you know, about their relationship, and you know they're going through a few struggles. You don't know who they are, so don't look around. It's not you. It's not it's not the person next to them. And you know they've been married for quite a number of years. They're Christians. They go to church. And they've got all these issues in the relationship. Um, She thinks uh, he's dominant and he thinks she's uh, dominant and they can't seem (laughs) to find out what's going on. And I asked them, do you want to know what the Bible teaches on marriage? And they said, no, (laughs) we just want you to fix the marriage. And I had to say to them, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. You know, we can teach you some skills. Uh, We can teach you, you know, use a deodorant, be kind. We can say all that stuff. But the truth is, it's the Bible who tells the woman, you must respect your husband. She didn't want to respect the husband because he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and he's lazy and he won't do this and he doesn't do that. I'm not going to do that. He doesn't earn my respect. But the Bible says, you must respect your husband. I can't help you if you can't do that because I believe the Bible's the only way to do it. <laughs> I said to the husband, you must love your wife. You must lay down your life and be crucified for your wife. He didn't like that idea at all. <laughs> but it's in the Bible. It's what the Bible encourages. You must love your wife. And it's not that hard, guys. <laughs> so study. Uh, so Hear the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible. Can I say to you, memorize the Bible? You know, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, talking about the, the divine commandment to love the Lord. Though, But you shall lay up these words in your heart. That is memorize. And in your soul, that means suck the life out of them. Chew on them. And bind them as a sign to your hand or frontlets before your eyes. So the old Jews used have these little flack and stuff like that. You know what that looks like today? And this might sound silly, but if I'm looking for a miracle, you can actually come into our bedroom and as you look up at the ceiling, there have been, not right now, but there are scriptures there. So when we actually are looking at bed, there is the promise of God. When you go to our toilet, you'll find promises of God. You'll find in our fridge, promises of God. We want to see the promises of God. An Orthodox Jew would not leave the home without touching the divine name of God, having it before his eyes. So bolt it onto your life. Stick it in your reminder. Put it in your PDAs. Put it out on Facebook. But get it out there so that you see it and you start to believe it. Saturate your life with the Word. And then finally, meditate. So hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, Meditate. This actually works if you do it. If you don't do it, I'm sorry, it's a bunch of nonsense. But if you do this, it produces the miraculous in your life. Meditate. So you take that word of God, you take that dream, you take that vision, and you allow God to turn on your imagination, and you let your imagination picture what that dream looks like. You start to visualize it. Friends, imagination is used by the devil to imagine all sorts of bad stuff. All sin begins first with the imagination. True? All the bad things in the world, all the stuff no one jumps out of bed one morning and say, Today I'm going to destroy my ministry and go out and you know commit adultery. No one does that. It begins first with the imagination. The Bible says that the imagination that is under the Spirit of God is life and peace. But the imagination or the mind that's given over to the flesh or the old appetites is death and carnality. One of the greatest gifts God has given you is something that apes don't have. It's something that doggies don't have. It's something that cats don't have. You have an imagination. You have the ability to think like God. God can think of things that don't yet exist. I hope you're hearing me today. God has the ability to think of globes and of universes and animals that don't exist. And then when he speaks it, they happen. We are not God. So I'm not into mind science, but we are like God. And when you give your imagination and you allow it to be saturated in the Word of God and you allow that then to be painted on the, on the white screen of your mind, it produces incredible results. Whether it be Abraham say, look at the stars or the sands of the sea, what you imagine will happen. I've gone a long time today. I do apologize for that. But there are some things that you need to do in order to get a miracle. There are some things you need to do in order to keep a miracle. Pastor Leonard will facet that next week. You can get the miracle and the devil can try and steal from it. I actually believe that God healed me of asthma that day. I believe He healed me, but He tried to steal it from me. Trying to steal it from me. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can learn there. So here's the power of the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And if you'll read it, Hear it, speak it, say it, saturate it. It unlocks the presence, the power, the provision of an almighty God. May God give you a word. Can you just close your eyes where you are now and ask the musicians to come up? I'll close the service because I have gone a little bit long. Maybe we could just briefly stand if you're able to. Not everybody has uh, full mobility in our church. We love the fact that you can come and share with us. We love the fact that one day it's quite possible that you'll be able to stand up and worship God with the rest of us. But just as we're in this presence of God, I, I just want you to just close your eyes and just carve out a little sacred space for where you are right now. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come And for him to quicken is the the language that we often use. But to actually take a promise or a word for you. So if you have a need in your life, you're believing for an unsaved friend or a relative, you're believing for breakthrough in a certain area, whether that's physical, emotional or spiritual, I want you just to let that rise in your consciousness towards your God. Let Him hear about it. You don't even have to speak it out loud, but just connect with Him where you are right now and just say, God, this is my deal. This is what I I need in my life. I'm struggling with this. I have pain in my body. I have mobility issues. I don't have enough money. I have nowhere to stay. Whatever it might be, I want you to let that just rise up to God as a request to Him. Ask and keep on asking luke 11 seek and you will find knock and the door will be open i'm going to ask you holy spirit right now to come to each one of us right now i want you to speak holy spirit i want you to give each of us lord a, a picture a vision a word a text a psalm lord an image an impression but, Lord, we're looking to hear from you. Prayer is not about us coming to a shopping list. Prayer is about us connecting and cooperating with what you want to do. Show us, Lord, what you want us to do, what we need to do. Lord, we just want to then stand here and say, Lord, we are willing. Help us to find the right people, Lord, who will affirm faith, that are aligned to faith, that will agree, that will say the divine amen. Lord, we reject, Lord, all the other voices. Lord, we reject even our experience, Lord. Father, we appreciate doctors. We appreciate, Lord, the people that mean well. But, Lord, we make the decision to say amen, Amen. to say amen. amen. Let it be, Lord, according to your word. Let it be, Lord, according to your diagnosis, your prognosis, Lord. Father, we choose this day to believe on the Word of God. Lord, we stand on your Word. Lord, it's a solid rock. Father, all else is sinking sand. But Lord, those who hear the Word of God and do the Word of God, Lord, can stand on the rock, Jesus. And we give you praise and we give you honor for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's... uh